Well, we are entering a new season, and with this new season, I'm starting a new sermon series that will look at some standalone scriptures that are intended to help move you towards progress. How many know that progress is sometimes elusive on a day-to-day basis? Some days I don't feel like I'm making progress. Some weeks I don't feel like I'm making progress. But over the trajectory of my life, I want to be a man who is going after God's heart. I want my wife and my daughter to be ladies who are going after God's heart. And and sometimes we don't feel that way, but we have to trust that as we continue to walk with the Lord, we're moving closer and closer to Him. And the messages I want to share with you in the next few weeks are intended to just uh, help refocus you on your relationship with God. And as we move into a new season uh, with our community, uh, we will all be recentered by the Scripture to be the people God wants us to be. And so it is that as we enter into a new school year, I know some of you might say, well, how does that affect me? Because I don't have kids in school. I don't really, I'm not connected to, the, to any of the schooling uh, systems. Well, it affects you because of traffic, right? All right, traffic's going to uh, affect you once again. It affects you uh, in a positive way because uh, the restaurants won't be so crowded at lunch. I've noticed this week, man, there are just kids and teenagers in all of these restaurants. And, and so they can just go back to cafeteria food and then that, that'll just help us all. Okay, that, that might not have been nice. But, but we know this is that the, even if we're not uh, connected to the school systems, the tide of what's happening in our community kind of affects us. It sends us into a rhythm. It sends us into a season. And before we know it, it'll be holidays and we'll be in Advent and that whole deal, it's all coming ready or not. And I want you to be intentional during this time and say, now, this is a time, this is a season for progress. This is a season for me to move forward in the things of God. And so as you enter a new season, what if God asked you a question? What if he said this? What do you need? What do you need? This is a question that Solomon was asked in verse 5. This is an amazing question. It says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, ask, what should I give you? That's a pretty cool question, isn't it? How would you like if God said, hey, what do you need right now? Well, I know this. If you do have kids in school, you know that next week, if you're in the public school system, you're going to be writing check after check after check. I mean, it's fee after fee after fee. I I would say, God, I need some cash right now. Now, don't try to act all spiritual on me like you wouldn't ask the same thing. I mean, it's just fee after fee after fee. And, and we, we need some, some cash sometimes for immediate needs. Stuff keeps breaking down. I know cars just keep breaking down. Cars don't last forever. So it doesn't matter how holy you are, and eventually the battery's going to die. It doesn't matter how righteous you are, the alternator's going to give out because mechanical things give out. You know, houses, uh, they, they start falling apart. If you don't fix stuff, if you don't fix stuff, it's not going to stay a perfect house. There's always a house repair. The body's always falling apart. We're twisting ankles. We're hurting limbs. We're doing all kinds of things in this kind of season of summer recreation. There's a lot of physical things that need to be fixed. And so wouldn't some cash be nice just to fix the stuff we already have, just to pay our school fees? Some of us, if God asked that question, what do you need? Perhaps you would just ask God for just a little more recognition in the realm that you work in or that you serve in. And it might be, God, I just need for people to figure out how much I had to give to the organization. Just the title, God. 
just a position, just a promotion. If I just had that, God, I could set this office in order. I, I could just really set this organization in order if I just had a new position. So it would be our inclination to say, God, just kind of promote me, kind of take me to the next level, give me a title, give me something. That, that would be a natural thing for us to ask. We, we immediately would go to these immediate needs, stuff that we need. Maybe we need superpowers, you know. And remember that part of the scripture where God said, hey, you, you, you asked, didn't ask to zap your enemies or whatever. He said it a little more dignified, like biblically. But you didn't ask for harm to your enemies. Some of us, when we drive in national traffic, we just wish we had superpowers. Like, that car, break down, you know, and, and that car, get out of my way. Because we, if we had that, we could get to work faster. And then all those people who don't know how to drive would get what they deserve, right? All right, let's just be honest. These are things that naturally stir up within us. And so it is that the question is, what would you ask of God? Here's the title of my message today. Wisdom is God's greatest gift to you among those. It's God's gift to you, wisdom. And I would suggest that like Solomon, when you have this opportunistic question given to you. If God was asking you this question in this season, you would ask, God, give me wisdom. Part of wisdom is a discerning heart. Part of wisdom is an obedient heart. The Bible does refer to in this era of Solomon's life as the wisdom of Solomon. He was wiser than all of the other kings and that came from obedience and it came from this and it came from all of the different spiritual gifts that God gives. And this is what we need. We need wisdom. We need to be wise. As you're entering into a new season of your life, the Lord wants to give you wisdom. So what am I trying to accomplish in today's teaching? I want you to desire wisdom. I want you to, to, to leave here today and desire wisdom. You might say, well, doesn't everyone desire wisdom? Not necessarily. A lot of times we desire to be funny more than we desire to be wise. We desire to be light. We desire to be affirmed. We desire to be accepted. We desire popularity, however popularity formulates in your world. And that's more important to us than wisdom because often the wise step isn't the most popular step at the time. The, the wise step in the, sh in, in the short term, when you're walking in wisdom, it sometimes costs you. If you're walking in wisdom, sometimes it costs you some social isolation. How many times have we read story after story after story of young people who said, I was just caught up in the wrong crowd. I was just at the scene of the crime. I was at the scene of the incident. It wasn't really me. I was just there. Wisdom would keep you from being there in the first place. But wisdom means it might cost you some social isolation. It might cost you a night on the weekend by yourself with God. But in the end, wisdom rewards you. In the end, wisdom, when you say no to that purchase that you can't afford, it has a multiplication in your life financially in the long run. Wisdom, when it prevents you from making an unwise decision, it positions you for everything God wants you to have. A lot of times, we don't have wisdom because we're just too prideful to ask questions. I talked about this back-to-school blessing thing we have going on, coming up on our 10th year of having it. And that first year, uh, we bought this tent. 
And we still have the tent. It's out in the church's garage, out, out in the back of the building. This tent is made up of different size, uh, uh, sizes of poles and different types of uh, connectors and different, uh, just a couple of pulleys, or a lot of pulleys, a couple of canvases with several pulleys. And so, you know, as the leader, the leader of this church and organization, I did what most men do. I did not read the instructions. I just ripped the box open, and we just started taking poles and putting them together, and it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. We lost so much time. We had to reconvene, reorganize the poles, try to figure out how to put this thing together. Well, that's pretty dumb. But some of you may remember the movie Dumb and Dumber. Well, this, this is really applicable because the second year, we did the exact same thing. Didn't think about taking three to five minutes to organize. We just started grabbing poles and started putting together, and it was a mess, and it was put up wrong. It was put up incorrectly. We lost time. We had to restart again. We had to reorganize. We did it again like the third year, the fourth year, like four years in a row. We made the same mistake. So about somewhere in that time period, Chip Johnson started going to our church. He's our preteen pastor. And I want to say this lovable. He's one of my best friends. I mean, there's a power in being a nerd. I mean, Chip is a, a nerd. I mean, he, can, he just thinks like an engineer. His mind's always going, thinking about all this stuff. So he kind of takes over, and he begins to uh, analyze the, the poles. He actually begins to draw a diagram uh, of how the poles work, and he color-coded with different types of tape the poles, and he would sit there, and he would, he would do the hard work at the beginning. Beginning. So now, every year it happens, somebody shows up, somebody shows up, it's usually a guy here, I'm not picking on the gender here, but, and they, they begin to be, say, let's say, I got this, I'm going to put this tent together, and everybody's like, don't touch the tent until Chip shows up, <laughs> don't touch it, and then when Chip shows up, music from heaven comes, and with slow motion, he enters, and we all stop, because he is the great wise one with the tent. This is just one of the many illustrations about how we lack wisdom when we don't take our time and ask questions. I can tell when someone's wise, and you can too, because they ask a lot of questions. First of all, when you ask questions, it shows that you have a genuine interest in somebody else. If you're just part of an exchange, of a conversation in which you want to give your opinion, uh, you, you want to make yourself known and you're not even listening to the person but you're waiting to just blurt out what you already know that's not much of a sign of respect to that other person also when you ask questions it sends the message to yourself and to those around you that you're wanting to learn you're curious you're not positioning yourself as the expert saying hey, i know everything i know everything i've got it figured out you're so lucky to get to hang out with me because i'm here no, you ask questions because there's an intellectual curiosity about you that wants you to reach out and say, well, how, how can I learn? How can I grow? How can I get better? This is a sign of wisdom. So here is the first ingredient to desire wisdom is humility. Starts with humility. I remember as a young leader, I used to get some positions where I was given some leadership positions because of my loud mouth. And uh, I wasn't humble about that. Man, I, I, I must be smart, man. I'm so smart they've made me the junior high pastor of the church. I, I know how to run this whole church. 
I'm so smart that I'm on the board of the Homeowners Association Lookout World. I'm, I'm here. I, I mean, wow, I'm so amazing. And I wasn't humble. I wasn't humble. And I wasn't, that wasn't wise of me. Wisdom causes you to be humble. In this era of his life, look with me at the wisdom of Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 6, he said it this way. And Solomon replied, you've shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. I want to say one thing there as part of wisdom is honoring the generation before you. If you don't have appreciation for those who have paved the way for you, who you're standing on their shoulders, you're not walking in wisdom. So I appreciate, I appreciate the people who built this church who no longer go to this church. You know, there's people I've never met that have invested thousands of dollars so we could sit in this nice building today. And, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that because they deserve a level of honor for what they've done. And so it will be in every arena in our life, even in our ancestors who have shown us the way of faith through Christ Jesus. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Now look at the humility here. I underline these words intentionally for this reason. Yet I'm just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people. You have chosen a people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Solomon at this time of his life demonstrated a humility that prepared him for the wisdom God wanted to pour out. The reason he asked for discernment, the reason he asked for a, a heart that would help lead the people. He didn't ask just for riches. That would be too short-sighted. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for the oppression of his enemies. That would be too short-sighted. He said, no, God, I, I've got to lead these people. I'm in a position that it's way over my head. In humility, I need your wisdom. What if we approach this coming era this coming season, and in our businesses, and at our schools, in our parenting, in our relationships. He said, God, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. I, I, I don't want things to be like they've always been. So I need your wisdom to help me make better decisions, to have better discernment, to have a more obedient heart. It could change so much. George Washington was a very, very tired leader at the end of the Revolutionary War. He was 57 years old. He was very, he, he had a lot of physical problems. He, he was almost deaf, had lost his hearing. He had other issues that caused him just to want to go back to Mount Vernon, his homestead, and to finish out his life farming and doing what he loved. But his people, we were not even quite a nation yet. His people needed a leader. They needed a leader who would be wise. And so George Washington became the first president of the United States. And in those eight years, he started many, many customs that are still carried in that office today. He, he walked in a humility. Why? Because he could have become a king, but he believed in personal liberty and individual liberty. And because of that, he led as a servant. One of the things we learned, and here's my second point today, that the desire for wisdom benefits other people. 
If, if you're using the people you lead to advance yourself, you're not being a wise leader. A wise leader realizes that all of the giftings, all of the talents, the opportunity, the ability is to make people around you better. We, we have such short-sighted leadership in all sectors of society, from the church to the political world to commerce to education. Leaders are using people to advance themselves instead of serving people. And I suppose that this is something we have to continue to, to, to present to God over and over and over again so that we're leading for the sake of the people. In verse, verse 6, I believe it is, or, or verse 8, excuse me, verse 9. So if I kept saying numbers long enough, I'd get the right one. So give your servant an obedient heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? This attitude of God, help, help me have what I need to bless the people. Help me have the discernment and the heart to lead people well in this new season of life. Who is it that God has called you to influence? Who has God called you to be a positive force? He's preparing for you. What you need is wisdom. What you need is a discerning heart. You don't need something short-term like some more cash. You don't need just a quick fix. You don't need a new position. You don't need a new title. What you need is the, the wisdom that comes from God that helps you to discern what is good and evil, that helps you to have his heart as you lead his people. We live in this creative world. I mean, I, the world we live in, we, we will be discovering the greatness of this world into eternity. There's so much variety in this world. Different climates, different types of cultural expressions, an amazing amount of variety. Variety is too small of a world, even in the, in the micro world to the world that we can see. We can learn and learn and learn and learn. And there's, there's just no shortage of what we could discover when we partner with God. And I believe that we'll, we'll continue to discover throughout eternity as God is our partner. Eternal life begins here in this life. And we'll discover this great world we live in, the variety of, of expressions from the beautiful mountains to the shoreline of, of, a, of an ocean on and on and on, the variety of animals there are. This world is so beautiful. But you know what? One of the things everyone in this world needs is oxygen, right? If we don't have oxygen, it doesn't matter how interesting and beautiful the world is, oxygen is needed even, even for the ecosystem itself to function properly, but much less us to, as human beings. Everything needs oxygen and it touches everything. That's what I think wisdom is. Wisdom's like that. Wisdom touches every single aspect of our life. And that's why the last point I want to share today is this, is wisdom is the keystone to every blessing God wants to give. Wisdom's the keystone to every blessing God wants to give. What does the word keystone mean? It means uh, that which holds all things together. So you have various parts, but they're all held together. 
in this term we call keystone, or you could even say in a building it's a cornerstone. You could use all types of different examples. But, but something from which everything has, it touches everything and there's an interdependence. And that's what wisdom's like for you and I. Wisdom for you and I will make every single thing better. Wisdom will touch every area of our life. Our prayers are so short-sighted often. They're about immediate needs, and God is a specific God. I'm not telling you not to pray specifically. You know, that's another sermon you probably heard in June, pray specifically. But I'm saying that is we, we, we have to have this attitude of, of, of God, look at my heart, look at where I am. Sometimes we can become so obsessed with a particular need in our life that we haven't asked God to give us the discernment, the wisdom, the obedience in our own hearts, and we don't realize our hearts are drifting because we're so obsessed with one situation. So it is that if, if we can put ourselves in Solomon's shoes, and I think we can, and say, if God said, what do you need? What should I give you? Discerning heart wise heart to lead, something that would benefit others, something that would help others. This is what God would want for us. Let's finish up this part of the message with verse 10. Now, please the Lord that Solomon requested this. So God said to him, because you've requested this and did not ask for long life, are riches for yourself, are the death of your enemies on the interstate, oh, I mean, Okay, that was the insertion. Sorry about that. Are the death of your enemies, but, but you asked discernment for yourself to understand justice. I will therefore do what you have asked. Amen. I will give you a wise and understanding heart. So the Lord's going to give that to us. It took humility to ask for wisdom. It took a bit of wanting to benefit others. It took a realization that wisdom and understanding is a keystone, it's a connecting point. But that's not the end of the story. It says, so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. Now look at verse 13. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no man in any kingdom will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways, here's the obedient part, obedience part. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. That tells us a little something that God can speak through our dreams. We submit those dreams to the scripture and to, to, church, to the church, but he can speak to us at times in, in our dreams. So here it is. God said, good job, good answer. You want wisdom and an understanding heart. I'm going to give it to you. But you could have asked for riches. You could have asked for power. But the Lord says, I'm going to give that to you also. That's why wisdom's a keystone. It connects all things. Wisdom's a centerpiece. It connects all things. And the Lord, the Lord is saying this, is that if you say, God, give me a wise, discerning heart. Help me to see what is good and evil in my life. God, give me, give me the ability to bless those around me. Guess what? Resources are going to come. Resources are going to come. Favor is going to come. Blessings going to come. Relational breakthroughs are going to come. He, the Lord is going to have it happen. But if, when that becomes our obsession, then we no longer see His work in our life. So the Lord just wants us to begin to, to pr present our hearts before Him. Lord, shape my character. Shape who I'm going to be. And then 
all the other stuff that I would have asked for instinctively, in a knee-jerk way, I would have asked for all these immediate needs, the Lord's going to bring those back to you. Jesus said himself, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, he was talking about material things, all of these things will be added unto you. You're going to get everything you need when you get the heart of God. That's what the Lord wants to remind you of today. Well, how does this apply to the gospel? How does this apply to this central message that we proclaim every week, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus? Well, Jesus is so wise. Jesus is a personification of wisdom. Jesus is the most humble entity ever. I mean, he was God himself, but he gave up the right to be God. He humbled himself to a single human cell, an embryo in the womb of Mary. He humbled himself to a life of menial task. He was God, yet he chose to live in obscurity for 30 years as a carpenter. And then he launched his ministry for three years, and it was a ministry where he was not accepted by the religious elite of his days. He was ostracized. Uh, Jesus then voluntarily died a humiliating death upon the cross in which he was stripped, beaten, ridiculed. He did that. It didn't happen accidentally. He intentionally submitted himself to that. He was in control the whole time. And Jesus is, he's the center of our faith and he's the center of all that we do. So I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as we see this gospel application starting in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Some of us have been there before when we thought Christianity was silly, outdated, irrelevant, where Christianity wasn't something that really made sense. Some of you have people in your life who would take that position right now. This is just ridiculous. And really, if you think about it, if you think about it, it's funny how, you know, some Christian churches call other churches weird. We're all a little bit weird. We believe God became a man and he gave himself uh, for the sins of all people. And on the third day, he rose again. That's not normal. That's, that, that, that's not logical in some ways. But it's the greatest story ever known. And it is the linchpin. It's the centerpiece of your life. It's the one thing from which everything revolves around. Because Jesus said himself, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What good is it if you become this wise kind of person who makes good decisions, but you make the wrong decision on Jesus? Man, if that happens, you miss everything. You miss everything. So the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But look at this. But it's God's power to us who are being saved. It's a powerful message for those who are being saved. And there's some explanation for it. It's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Who, where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? That's a powerful statement. God's made the world's wisdom foolish. For since, in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. I told you this message, this message we give here is foolish without the power of the Holy Spirit. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it's, it's the power of God. It changes everything. It says, for the Jews ask for signs. So the Jews are saying, hey, is he really the Messiah? 
Show us, prove to us, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And the Greeks seek wisdom. The Greeks are ones who are always saying Greek had influenced the whole world. It's influenced the Western world we're in right now. They're saying it has to be reasonable. It has to be provable. It has to make sense. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles, yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Stay right there for a second. I want you to see that Christ is God's wisdom. When the beginning of this message, when I said wisdom, God's gift to you, Jesus is that wisdom. I gave you practical steps that said these are ways you can apply wise decisions to your life. But the ultimate wisdom is Jesus. He is wisdom itself. It's foolishness to the world. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you and draws you to Jesus, that which didn't make sense before means everything now. It's God's wisdom. It's God's wisdom for you. The rest of the scripture says, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. That's the message that we have. I want to pray with you today.